Welcome to the Press Forward Podcast. I'm Nathan Wrigley, and I'd like to thank you for joining us once again. And if this is your first time with us, well, I hope that you like it and that you find it useful. We release the Press Forward Podcast each week, and we'd love it if you added us to your list of podcasts, the ones that you consume regularly. You can do that by subscribing to us on your favourite podcast player. Simply search for WP and Op. Today we're going to be talking to Kim Doyle. But before that, let me tell you a little bit about what WP and Op do, and how you might get involved. We're a registered charity with a mission to support and promote positive mental health within the WordPress community. Join more than 4,200 community members taking the next steps towards better mental health. Connect with our team to discover your best personal journey. Build companionship. Connect with professionals and develop core skills to cope. You can find out more and become a member today for free at wpnop.org forward slash join. WPNOP deliver free to end user support. To provide tens of thousands of hours of support, we need your help. It costs more than a quarter of a million pounds annually to fund WPNOP, and this is made possible by your donations. Please visit wpnop.org forward slash donate to ensure that we can continue to meet the needs of the community. We'd like to offer a shout out to some of our supporters, and so Automatic, Get Dolly, Funnel Packs, Weeglot, Winning WP, WPMU Dev, and Yoast. We appreciate your help. If you'd like to share this message, please use this pre-written tweet, which you can find at bit.ly forward slash WPNOP dash thanks. Thank you. So today we're speaking with Kim Doyle. She's a content marketer, blogger, and podcaster, amongst many other things, and has been extremely active in promoting the WordPress cause. We talk today about a wide variety of topics, and I'm sure that you'll find Kim both engaging and entertaining. The conversation begins with a discussion about her general attitude towards life and how people from different parts of the world might view situations differently. We then go on to talk about two episodes of bereavement, in which Kim lost her husband and her mother. We talk about the impact of this on her family and how she came to rely upon those around her. We also get into how Kim makes use of a therapist to assist her and how she has found this really helpful over the years. It's a lovely chat with a lovely lady. This is a trigger warning. We do discuss the topic of bereavement during this episode. Before we record the podcasts, the guests and I usually have a little chat to discuss the topic at hand, and I ask them to introduce themselves by asking the question, Who are you? That's an existential question to a certain degree. I am Kim Doyle, online marketer, digital strategist, content marketer. Honestly, I would like to refer to myself as sort of the grown-up Pollyanna, for lack of a better term. Are you familiar with Pollyanna? Okay, well, Pollyanna is a very old Disney film. Haley Mills, who is, I believe, a British actress, 
was a little girl and she's probably in her seventies now. So, but she was just the ever present optimist and goes to live with her aunt who was a crab and turns this whole town upside down because she was so positive, optimistic and has a horrible accident where she can't walk, but is still like, Hey, life is good. And it sounds kind of depressing, but it's really not. She's just an optimist. So I will liken myself to a grown up Pollyanna. Kim views herself as an optimist. And if you've heard her podcast or read anything that she's ever produced, then I'm sure you'd agree. I wondered though, if this is always the case, or are there times when her optimism is not so resolute? I would say to the core, yeah, I kind of approach life that it's an adventure. As I've gotten older, I think I'm a little bit more of a pragmatist as well, but it's also coming more from a, a grounded place, right? So there's, I think as you're young and you're, I don't want to say idealistic, but you know, I really did. I was like, oh, okay. Everything was an adventure for me for the most part growing up and dealt with some stuff, but truly you always have a choice. That's how I approach everything. You have a choice. I can choose to look at this on this side, or I can choose to look at it on this side and run my life that way. If it doesn't make me feel good, I'm not going to watch it, listen to it or do it. It's just that simple. <laughs> I have a few regrets in my life, things that I wish I'd done differently, events that I would have liked to have had different outcomes. Although I could be confusing the two things, it seems like, if you are very optimistic, you might be more immune to having regrets. I wouldn't say I'm immune to regret. The only thing that I regret is the things that I don't do. I look back on things and did a lot of judgment, a ton of self-judgment about, I wish I had done this differently or that kind of stuff for a long time. And it literally just robs you of today. It's such a waste of energy. Like my therapist said to me one time, like guilt, right? I was raised Catholic. So that <laughs> ran through my veins and the guilt of what I could have, should have. I mean, it's such a wasted emotion. It literally gets you nowhere. It doesn't serve the people you're feeling bad about or the situation. It gets you nowhere. And so it was almost a point of, I would say, surrender. And where it was this moment of, okay, well, what I'm doing isn't working. So the beating myself, the self-judgment, all of those things got me no further along. And I'll never forget like I've talked about it publicly, right? Like I still see and talk to my therapist that I found when I lost my husband almost 17 years ago. And, but she's kind of become this life mentor. And like, I was really proud of myself one time because I caught the negative self-talk and I was like, oh, friggin' knock it off. Except I didn't say friggin' <laughs> right in my head. And I was all proud of myself because I was like, stop it, just stop it. And I was telling her this story and she laughed. She said, how about next time, instead of, you know, F and knock it off, you say, oh, sweetie, it's okay you're tired. And I was like, oh, like it instantly made me think you can actually choose to be kind to yourself. Neither is going to get you there necessarily in a different time frame, but one feels a whole lot better. And I just started doing that. And I started looking at how I handled things and my process involved. So knowing, you know, as an example, like getting bugged with say somebody, it's like, all right, first of all, it's more about me. And this is all just life experience, I think, that it's more about me when I'm bugged. Where am I off? So there's a self-responsibility there. But the second piece is just looking at it and going, okay, I know I spit out, I get bugged, I need to get off the computer for a bit. Maybe I'll take a nap and then I come back and it's like I can look at it from a different perspective as opposed to 
who can I call? Who can I talk to? Who can I vent about this? What stories can I tell? That was such a long answer. I don't even remember the question. <laughs> I lived for a time in both the United States, where Kim lives, and Australia. And in both of those countries, I found that the people had a very positive outlook. The predisposition of many people whom I met seemed to reflect that the glass was half full and not half empty. The attitudes held by people in different countries can be very different, and I wondered if Kim thought that this was true. You know what? I would have to agree with you to a certain extent. I mean, I've not been to Australia, but I've been to Scotland. We were talking before, and it's so funny because I remember this very succinctly that, you know, we'd be out shopping. And just to give a little background, like I spent a whole lot of years in retail management. So I approach workers and retail employees with such a different level of empathy. But it's like we'd be shopping and they'd be like, thanks, have a nice day. And they'd kind of look at me like, thanks. Like there was no banter or chit chatter at the register. It would be like, okay, they would ring me up and I'm like, okay, have a great day or thanks so much. Or there was like, looking at me like I was an alien. It was kind of funny. And I was like, well, now I'm going to make a game of this and we're going to have some fun. <laughs> Everybody that I know over there, I love and adore. But it's funny when I was there, I, you don't realize it. And I mean, I'm in Northern California right now. But for the most part, we kind of have seasons, but not really, you know, even with winter. And if it rains and, you know, I've been up at my dad's and it snows here a little bit. But, you know, that's like, six weeks, eight weeks, two weeks. But it's like, even though you'll have a few days of rain or whatever, and then it's like the blue skies come out. And it's like, I swear, it's like I hear birds chirping in my head because you just don't realize how much for myself personally, the sun affects me. But you know what I think it is too? I'm going to get a little esoteric here with you, Nathan, is that where you're saying culturally, I think a lot of those things that we're unconscious of are hardwired sort of into our DNA. And when you're around that you become so unconscious. You just get on autopilot with it. And I love self-deprecating humor as well. I make fun of myself. Like I crack myself up now when I catch myself doing things or here's a little story for you. When I was in retail management, I, I remember opening a store. I was like 32 and there was like 75 employees and I was opening this brand new store and it was where I was living before. It gets to be like 105, 110 degrees, hot, hot during the summer. And they were all moving too slow for me. <laughs> so I get up on an electrician's lift and I'm like, you are all replaceable. <laughs> I was like, you know, and I look back, I'm like, I cannot believe these people did not walk out on me. I'm like, what was the matter with you? But like my boss used to call me boss lady. I was like, he's like, put the stick down. I was such a, you got to be number one, which is also part of this country and culture, you know? So there is a fine line. And so now I can laugh at that side of myself. I can call on that side of myself if I need to be. I just have a little bit more maturity and wisdom to not address or say what's on my mind immediately. I'm like, all right, you need to sit with this for like 24, 48 hours before you deal with it. And 99% of the time, it's because something's off in me. You know, I totally get your point with culturally and I see it, but I think, you know, I don't know, maybe this is a little bit too optimistic too, but we all have a choice at the end of the day. It's a conscious choice. I choose to consciously work on who I am and how I move through the world. And we all make mistakes and no one's perfect, but you can choose to be miserable or you can choose to be happy. It's, it is what it is. <laughs> One of the things that's so great about living in a culture of positivity, whether that's in your workplace or the country that you live in, is that it can help when things go wrong. This led me to a curious thought. 
If you live a life with a positive outlook, does this make it harder to accept when things do go wrong? You nailed it. I think that's a problem. But more than that, Nathan, is I don't think people acknowledge it. So they put more pressure and more stress on themselves. You know, seriously, I have joked around that I'm like, if I had little kids, like my kids are 22 and 19, right? But if I had little kids today, I'm like, we'd be off to Costa Rica. They could go to school and go play. And they didn't have pressure to participate in 52 things, be in advanced placement classes, never have a life. It's a little bit insane. So I think they're not coping, is my point. I think a lot of people aren't coping. There is this, you are what you have, you are what you do. And, and so that is detrimental to a huge degree. And I feel, you know, like you look at the state of politics in this country. Well, I guess probably any Western country right now almost, but there's a reason that it's happening. We've become so apathetic that we, you know, have forgotten that people matter. And so I feel like the pendulum is going to swing back. And we've gone to this weird extreme where there's so much unrest and unhappiness at the core level that people are starting to say, look at the fact that we have terms unplugged. Why do people need to go away and, you know, take time for themselves? There's so much overstimulation. There's so much need to achieve and be and do and have. Like, I think I have two nieces, both in high school, and I just keep thinking, I don't know what I would do if I were a young girl in high school today. Like, to be able to compare yourself to someone 24-7 at the tip of your fingertips, right? Like our drama was, I wrote a note to my friend in third period and she told somebody else about it. And it was like the worst that would happen was they'd say something to somebody or you'd have to pick up the phone or go to their house. It couldn't spread instantly. And, you know, your insecurities, life just is hard, Nathan. And that's something that I think with different losses I've had in my life, I'm like, it just is. No one escapes this without tragedy and strife and struggle. And so, when you look at it, that no one is special, but everybody's special in a way that I'm not unique. So here's an example. Like when I lost my husband, I totally identified as the widow for a long time. I was young, I had little kids and I was like, whoa, I do not want to move through the rest of my life. And this is a part of my story. I am grateful for the time I had with him for my kids. So you can shift it, right? Like my therapist said to me one time, Kim, if you're going to play the what if game, you have to play it on both sides. So what if he had survived the accident and was a paraplegic. Was that a lifestyle? We Like it wouldn't be what he wanted. So I don't play what if anymore. I just cannot do it. And I catch myself so much quicker to shut it down. So to your point, I do think that this culture and, you know, in essence, it's like we've set ourselves up for angst and stress because we're constantly comparing ourselves. We're constantly not enough. We're constantly striving. And it's like, I don't know, nothing makes me happier than a nap in the afternoon. And it's a conscious choice. Or I literally got through the entire season, 10 episodes of Hunters on Amazon last weekend, because I was fried. And I'm like, I don't care. I am going to watch 10 episodes this weekend. And it was lovely. And then I'm back at it with way more energy and stuff. So part of it is just a process in life where you learn to take care of yourself. You have to. It's that whole oxygen mask analogy of the airplane, right? I wondered what the family and social setup is like for Kim, whether she has some people close by whom she can rely on. Absolutely. And it's interesting because my way of thinking, my philosophy, I don't know how deep you want to go with this, Nathan, but you know, I was joking that I was raised Catholic. I do not practice any religion. I respect all religions to each his own, but it's my mantra is kind of 
kindness and I believe everything is energy and I'm totally responsible for the energy I bring into any place that I go to. But most of the people in my day-to-day life don't live by that philosophy. So I do. Obviously, my therapist is this huge, like I said, more of a life mentor at this point and completely subscribes to that way of thinking. It's helped me to pay attention and gotten me into meditation. And, uh, you know, so I absolutely have friends who subscribe to that thought process. And at the same time, I just choose to spend time with people that I enjoy their company, (laughs) which has been tough for me because my family has been such a staple and foundation of my life. And I've really noticed, you know, I I lost my mom last summer and she was the anchor of the mobile, you know what I mean? And so everybody feels a little bit off balance and I won't get into a ton of grief because I'll start crying, but (laughs) you start saying, okay, now I have to reshape what this looks like. And all of a sudden when the person who's the buffer for everybody isn't there, it's like the relationship's like you're looking at them right in front of you. Do you know what I'm saying? There's, there is no smoke and mirrors of, you know, this person is so close to me. It's like, nah, I love them. But if we met today, I don't know if we'd be friends. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So it's a very interesting dynamic. Kim mentioned going to see a therapist often and how valuable it has been to her. I'm not all that familiar with how these practitioners operate and how a therapist might differ from, say, a counsellor. So I asked Kim to explain what it means to her and how she makes use of a therapist. So when I lost my husband, I was like, what's my to-do list to get through grief? I thought I was going to do one, two, three, four, five, and it was going to work, right? Like, that's how I approach stuff. I just attacked it and thought, I'm going to get it done. This is what has to be done. I'm going to go through it. And (laughs) when I went into my therapist, which is funny because I don't remember saying this, but it sounds like me. I was like, I'm not doing any of that childhood stuff. I'm just here to talk to you about Chris, my husband, right? Like very clear. We're not going there, not doing it. So for a couple of years, it was like, and I would just go to her when I needed to speak to her a week ago. Like all of a sudden it would hit me like a tidal wave, right? And so that was what, 2003, then 2005, she was retiring out of the Bay Area, Northern California. And I was like, what? You know, so I stayed in touch with her kind of started doing some phone counseling. She moved like three hours north and it just hit me, Nathan. I remember exactly where I was in my house when I realized I had that conscious awakening sort of, of, oh my God, I'm totally identifying as a victim in my life because I lost my husband. People lose spouses every day. Kim, you're not special. (laughs) And that sounds harsh, but you've got a choice. It became so glaringly apparent to me that I could choose to move through the rest of my life differently. When you connect that everything in your life stems from how you think about stuff. I mean, it, it really does. It all starts internal. And you hear that in business all the time, mindset, mindset, but you can't just think positively, you know, and it usually starts with self-responsibility. So the therapy with her at that point, then I would say I started doing therapy. I would say the first couple of years was grief counseling, right? And as we continued to work together and that like I drive three hours to go see her and then I'll spend three hours with her. She's like, well, if you're going to come all this way, like it's obviously way more than because she doesn't practice anymore. I just am, you know, like, what about Bob? Have you seen that movie? That's what my friends call me. It's Bill Murray and um, Richard Dreyfus. Richard Dreyfus is his therapist and Bill Murray follows him on vacation because he needs him. So my friends all call me, what about Bob? But we have similar spiritual beliefs and stuff too. And she's opened my mind to so many different ways of thinking and approaching the world. So like when I say a life mentor, there's an element that 
I think almost more like a spiritual mentor as well. So I think it's all subjective. She'd done like cognitive behavioral therapy with me, but at the same time, I had not meditated. I didn't think I could sit still, you know, when I was that age, I probably couldn't have. You know what I mean? It's it's when you establish that trust. And so I think everybody has to define what that looks like. And I don't think therapy or counseling, I don't think any of that is going to work until you truly choose to accept that you're responsible for all the conditions of your life. And obviously, I'm not responsible for losing people, but I'm absolutely responsible for what I do with my life with that loss. It's interesting that Kim drew attention to the fact that when she first went to see her therapist, she wanted to lay down the rules of how the therapy was going to proceed. Things that she thought ought to be off limits. With this in mind, I asked her why she attended at the very start. Because it was accepted. I had lost my husband at a young age and I approached it just like, you know, like with business and stuff. I mean, at a young age, I don't know, probably 22-ish is probably when I first got into, you know, self-help. When I, I told you I was in retail for a long time, like 10 of those years was in the book industry. So I went through every motivational self-help business guy that you could and literally guy, right? Like Tony Robbins was the first foray in 1992. I can't listen to him anymore. And then eventually that pivoted to more of a spiritual, like Dr. Wayne Dyer and and Deepak Chopra and stuff that I was like, oh, there's a gentler way to do this. So the reason I went was because I thought it was part of a to-do list, right? That I was going to get through grief because that's how I approach stuff. Give me a list of stuff to do and I'll get it done. And I had massive responsibility for my children and knew that I was all they had left. I mean, thank God for my extended family, but I needed to show up for them and I needed to do this. So I think I'm hardwired to approach stuff that way much more then than I am now. Now it's like, all right, I feel like the less I effort, Nathan, the more things flow in my life now. Clearly, much of Kim's interactions with her therapist pivoted around the early death of her husband. Although it's not usually a subject for general discussion, I asked if she might be willing to tell us what happened. Yeah, it was a car accident and he actually worked for Ford Motor Company and he had an F-350 Super Duty truck, like monster diesel truck, and was coming home from work and nobody, it was a single car accident, but the truck rolled and the cab collapsed. You know, and it's just crazy. Like I never worried about him in that. I thought if there was an accident, he'd be super safe. But you find out that, welcome to capitalism, it's cheaper to pay off lawsuits than to restructure a car. The roof, you would think of a four-wheel drive super duty truck, that the roof of the cab would be reinforced, you would think, right? But the cost to reconfigure and reframe those trucks means probably billions, I don't know, millions and millions of dollars because you have to reframe the whole factories. It's not a simple process. And so you know, that's at least because we actually had a lawsuit settle, a wrongful death suit. And it wasn't a ton, like I didn't get to retire or anything, but it was enough to put money away for school for the kids and to give me a little bit of a cushion to start my business. That's pretty much it. But that's what you find out. And I can tell you, I would, you couldn't, which sounds funny, but you couldn't pay me to ever deal with anything legal in this country ever again. I just... I'd rather walk away from everything. It was extremely trying and exhausting, you know, no regrets again, because the money was there for the kids and stuff. But truthfully, 
the negative energy and the life-sucking involvement of being in a lawsuit. I just, I'd never do it again. The way that Kim talks about the accidental death of her husband demonstrates that she's had a chance to come to terms with it and understand how she needed to move forward in her life after it. I wanted to know if she had experienced any other emotions during the following years. Anger, for example. Oh my God, totally. And especially because the thing is too, Nathan, is that anger is a much easier emotion to manage than sadness. Sadness hurts, right? Anger is fueling to a certain extent. And so, yeah, I was very, very angry and to the point. So I only took like three weeks off of work when it happened. I needed to get back to work. I needed to to be moving and stuff. And I mean, with his schedule, he worked nights. And so, I mean, the kids were six and two, right? So gratefully, their lives weren't, I mean, obviously their lives were disrupted immensely. Their dad was gone. But the thing is, I was there five days a week at night with like, I did their bedtime routines. I did it. So their lives, it was too important for me to keep that structure and stability for them. But I absolutely, so a year after he passed away, the company I was working for had me go open a new store. They asked me to, and my commute was five minutes and I went to an hour each way. So I added two hours to my day, right? Then I had to have a nanny and all this stuff. But so I had been opening the store, store opens a month later. I was ready. I hated the world. I, I was so, so angry. And my therapist said, Kim, you need to take a leave of absence. You need to take some time off. I went on antidepressants, which I'm still on to this day because I've gone off at different times. But I'm like, why? I, you know, because you go off like, oh, I feel better. Well, why do you feel better? To me, the consistency, and it's a small dose here. See, look at that. I'm qualifying. But because I was very anti like I didn't want anyone to know. And I'm like, I don't care. But yeah, I took, I took a leave of absence and I went on antidepressants and it helped a lot. It helped a lot, you know, and it's funny because there are times that I probably speak to her more frequently now than I did then because I was just so, what does this look like? Like it was acceptable to need grief counseling, but it wasn't acceptable to need therapy. Having two kids at the ages of six and two must have been really difficult. Not only was Kim dealing with the loss of her husband, but she was also having to manage her kids during a time when they are more in need of input and attention than at any other. How did she cope? I coped because of my family. My parents, it became the five of us, quickly. You know, my dad had already, my dad's a retired police officer. He had already retired. I mean, I don't know, he was like 50. My parents were fairly young and my siblings were both in the same city. I mean, my sister was a godsend. She didn't have any kids yet. And, you know, so it was, it was totally my family and even my neighbors. Like we had just moved to, it was a brand new house. We had just moved there like a year and a half before he died. And I just was fortunate to have a ton of good people in my life. And I remember at, at a certain point being like, I'm sick and tired of asking for help. You know, and today now I'm like, you want to help me have a, <laughs> but really it was just, you just do it, Nathan. And I think everybody, I don't know, you don't know what you're capable of until you have to have to deal with something. And again, I think I'm hardwired. Like I do better when I'm not just active, but 
I have an outlet. If I'm in a bad mood, I can take the dogs outside and go play ball with them for 15 minutes. And a simple change and shift in my body state from sitting and thinking to getting oxygen in your body and getting outside, you know, so I, I think what got me through that, it's insane, Nathan, because in retail management, you know, you're working 50, 60 hours a week. We were required to work six days at Christmas. So thank God for my family. Right. I mean, and I got to extra time off and stuff. But so I don't know, it was just the having to get through stuff and having to get up and do it. And I really, truly believed that the best way to honor what we had was to do well by our kids. I've been lucky in that I've not, as yet, had to grieve too many times. But on the rare occasions that I have, I'm always amazed at just how long it takes to come to terms with it. Not weeks, but months and years. Now that time has passed, I wondered if Kim felt that this was now behind her, or perhaps she is still grieving on some level. No, I miss him, you know, and I've had relationships and everything in between, but it's like, I, I definitely miss him. And it's more for my kids at this point, and they're both doing great. And I see so much of him in them and to be funny, I would always blame their bad habits on him since he couldn't defend it. <laughs> Except it's too obvious when it's like a mini me. But I, I remember because I actually, this is crazy, Nathan, I actually wrote a blog post about it. And to this day, it is my most highest trafficked post that I ever had. And this was when it was on the WordPress chick. And because I woke up and I want to say it was like on the 14 year anniversary, say like for the longest time, like on the anniversary of his passing, it was like we had to do something to honor him and memorialize something. Right. And, and it's funny. Side note, I saw this quote that said traditions are letting dead people dictate your life. <laughs> right. And in a way, you really have to find and honor what works for you. But so it, it hit me. It was the 14th anniversary of his passing. It was a Sunday and I didn't connect the date until like I'd been up for a few hours and I was so grateful to be on the other side. That's when it hit me. Like it wasn't the first thing on my mind. And so first I started, I sent an email to my list. It was on a Sunday and it was in loving memory and a personal message of hope because I thought to be on the other side of this and to look back at, at who had been on the journey with me and to be so grateful for all of it and to see my kids doing well and thriving. And they've not been without their challenges and struggles. Hear my heart on that. But I connected it and then I realized, and in spite of all that, still pursued my business. And I mean, I went through financial hell at different points in the entrepreneurial journey, which a lot of us have. But just to realize, and, and I just ended it with, you know, your dreams are worth pursuing. And so it was just one of those things. It's always been in my bio. You think people know your story. And I'm like, I'm going to put this up as a blog post. It blew me away. I must have had 30 email responses on a Sunday within an hour or two of sending that. It was the most commented post on my site. So many people were like, I didn't know this about you or whatever. And it was like, there was a time in my life, Nathan, that maybe I would have done that for sympathy and connection. But truly, it was coming from a place of, I'm totally on the other side of this. And I can tell you that my mom is only 71 and was everything. Her death was harder because I... I allowed myself just to be sad. You know, it's like there were plenty of things that I could have gotten that we were angry about and like a misdiagnosis, long story, but just a lot of that stuff. But it was like, I truly just let myself be sad. Like I checked out for a while. 
Sadness takes on so many different forms, and it's sometimes really hard to deal with it, and it's easier to do other things to escape the sadness. I asked Kim if she tries to avoid sadness. No, no, not anymore because it's truly you learn what you resist will persist. And knowing that I won't feel this sad later, I won't feel that sad tomorrow, what I have shifted is honoring the feelings and not pouring salt on a wound. So like I have had a couple moments where, and this was back when it was closer, but like my daughter had, um, sorry, had interviewed my parents like, I don't know, a few years ago because she's a, she was a film student. And then she had also done a video. She had come up to record, video record cooking Thanksgiving with my parents, with my mom, which thank God she did all these things. But it was like I sat and watched all these video clips because I wanted to hear her voice. And I was like, Kim, you're making yourself feel horrible, <laughs> you know. And so at the time, it was like pouring salt on a wound. And now I can do it. Like if I miss her and I just want to hear her voice, I can do it. And then I'm totally okay in like a half an hour because I let myself process the sadness, for lack of a better term. So I don't avoid it. At the same time, I can have a moment where I'm like, I, I can't do this today. I've, I've got to focus. I've got work to do. So, I mean, I cry about her every day still. I'm sure that we all know people who are, for want of a better phrase, very good at crying. What I mean is that they know that there is a benefit to shedding tears, a release of some kind. There are others for whom tears are something rare, perhaps even something to be feared or ashamed of. Two things come to mind. First of all, and I don't know why I'm like rolling with movie and book quotes. Have you seen the movie The Holiday? It was late 90s, but it's, oh my God, Jude Law, Cameron Diaz, Kate Winslet and Jack Black. And Kate Winslet and Cameron Diaz swap houses over the holidays. Cameron Diaz hadn't cried for like 15 years. And Jude Law's character is like, I'm a major weeper. And it's so funny because then when she just allowed herself to feel, she got weepy about leaving him. And so the other question is like, what if you didn't judge not crying, right? The self-judgment, it's so ridiculous. I mean, we're so much harder on ourselves. And I think it's just a process. And I think as a child, that's because kids are not jaded yet, right? When you're that little, you feel what you feel. Children are very present. And so you can watch a kid who can one second be crying and the next second they're like, oh, thanks for the lollipop. Instantly, instantly. So for me, it's been like a conscious, am I in this moment? Like this is all that I have. And so what if you started asking yourself different questions when you feel that like, I don't know. I, and I don't know that we're all hardwired to feel emotion the same way, you know? So honoring who you are and how you express your emotions, that's where I think we totally screw ourselves. We judge ourselves based on how other people behave and move through the world. It's just crazy. You don't you can't approach anything without bringing everything that you've experienced to the table. So as an example, in losing my mom, I had done all this work. I had done all this self-work and I'd been through grief. And the thing is, Nathan, I'd probably would have been just as sad had she been 90, right? She was just that important to me. At the same time, I'm very spiritual and I have all these beliefs that I feel her around me all the time. Like I ask her for signs and I get them. Whether or not you believe in that stuff is irrelevant to me because it works for me and it helps me 
feel her with me. And I'm not kidding you, Nathan, from the time she passed away, I swear to God, she's up there pouring the gas on my life. It's like, she was probably the only person in my immediate family that really ever followed or got what I do. <laughs> right. And she was always like, well, okay, well tell me about the planner and, and would try to understand stuff. Cause she was more tech savvy. My dad's like, I can't check my email. The computer's broken. I'm like, it's, it's not, <laughs> you know, but she got it. And, and so it was the timing of things doing that hockey stick growth were all after she passed. I'm not kidding you. And it was just like, this is unbelievable. And the money that started just showing up in my life. And I feel like she was up there just going, all right, I'm going to take this over here. <laughs> Cause she was a very take charge person. And, you know, and so it's like, all right, well, she's got a little more control up there. I'll let her pull the strings. <laughs> There's been a few times in my life when I've decided to start again. The phrase that I like to use is throw it all up in the air and see where it lands. Kim mentioned earlier that she's going to be moving away from California to a very different part of America. Why? There's nothing in me that's not scared. I will tell you that right now. And I am born and raised. I was born in San Francisco, raised in the Bay Area. All my family is here. All my childhood friends and stuff. I think the fact that we can communicate so easily today helps a lot. And it is doable in a day if I felt like driving down. Boise Airport, super close. I'm nervous about it, but there's such a pull towards something as opposed to running away, you know? So there's this, there's just a piece of me that feels like, and I'm going to pre-qualify this because of the Catholic in me, but I feel like I'm supposed to have a big life, Nathan. And I've taken risks and I've tried things and I just think losing my mom and well, it was too soon for me was a more timely death, right? Than my husband's. She had a very good life. My parents were married 51 years and it was a good life. It really was. And so just looking at all of that, it's like, if not now, when, and, um, it's almost like this personal challenge. And I also <laughs> like, I'm pretty social, Nathan, but man, I love my time to myself and I love the quiet time. And, you know, so there's all of those things in there. And like, I've got trips planned. I'm actually going to London later in May. And then my therapist has a couple places in Costa Rica. I've booked one for a month this summer. And like, I'm like, are you an idiot? Like you keep booking all these trips and you've got all these new expenses and stuff. I'm like, I'm a just trust, right? You can choose to trust. Everything is flowing when I stay in alignment. So as it works out, like when I'd gone up to Boise, my brother's girlfriend was like, oh, I have a friend, retired police officer in his mid fifties, who he and his wife went up there to build a house and he's now in real estate. So now I'm like my friend in Boise, <laughs> I know a person, he doesn't do digital marketing. I'm like, I'm totally happy to help you get going and stuff. So I'm like, he's connected. Like, I am going to ingratiate myself into meetups and do those things. But my intention truly for this move is to stay open and to be gentle with myself because I have no doubt I'll have those homesick moments or what have I done. And, and I think just knowing that's part of the process and it's not necessarily a truth. It's just a feeling. I don't ever want to say, why didn't I do that? Or why didn't I try that? Or I wish I had. It's like, Life just is. It's hard. There's challenges. There's ups and downs. We're not always privy to what's going on behind closed doors. You know, we live in a world today of highlight reels and you have to do what's right for you. And the only way you're going to get comfortable with discomfort is by doing it. And that doesn't mean everybody needs to pack up and move, but my life does not look like what I thought it was going to look like. Those plans 
were taken from me. And that sounds harsh, but it's like, I didn't choose that. So I have a choice. What do I do now? And if I choose to look at life as an adventure, I mean, what's the worst that could happen? I don't like it and I come back. One of the purposes of the Press Forward podcast is to lift the lid on topics that don't get talked about often enough, to allow people to share their stories so that other people might listen, and by listening they may gain an understanding that they're not alone. There are other people out there who have faced the same situation that you are facing. They have found a way through and can offer support to you on your journey. Maybe that person's already in your life, but they might not be. And that's what WPNOP is here for, to connect you with the support that you need. And so, if you're able to, please help us so that we can continue to support the WordPress community. You can donate at wpnop.org forward slash donate. That's it for this week. Please let us know if you're enjoying the podcast, if you're finding it useful or helpful. You can reach out to us at wpnop.org forward slash contact. There's a serious point to all of this, though, and that is that WPNOP is here to help and support. That help is available to you or the people that you know and can be easily accessed at the wpnop.org website. Please spread the word about this podcast. Tell your friends and subscribe on your favourite podcast player. And remember that together we can hashtag press forward. <laughs>